SNL with Benedict Cumberbatch is over, but we're just getting started here on our Saturday Night Live live post-show recap. And now here are the two guys with pre-orders in for reverse toilets. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here is Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? Good. Although, uh, my, you know, my, speaking of back order, my David S. Pumpkins Halloween costume did not get here in time. So I did not get to do that. So maybe my toilet will get here sooner than that. Yes. Is it true that you are sitting currently on a reverse toilet? Do I look cool? That's yes. all you have yes. to know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Did you really order a David S. Pumpkins uh, suit? No, but as we joked about on Twitter, there were uh, there were places selling the David S. Pumpkin suit. Uh, what I wondered is, were they actually did they actually create it, or was that a costume that someone at SNL saw online and thought, oh, there's a you know there's something here, ordered it, and then though that company renamed it the David S. Pumpkin suit. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's probably the latter because I ran into somebody who had a very similar suit when I was in New York and uh, they were adamant that they said, I know I did not buy this because of David S. Pumpkins. I, I bought this with Halloween coming up. And now everybody's saying, coming into me, are you David Pumpkins? I said, well, you got to roll with it now. Now you got to go with it. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. You pull that off. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, Rich, very excited to talk about Cumberbatch and Solange. Uh, No James Keese this week, but we will have a recorded entry from him later on to talk about the music of Solange. So uh, we will get to that later on in the show. Of course, if you want to subscribe to our SNL post show recap, you could do so in the iTunes store postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. And it's a great time to subscribe because we got some big news about next week's show. Rich Dave Chappelle is hosting next week's episode with musical guest, a tribe called quest. Oh, can't wait. That's going to be, that's going to be very interesting. It'll be a, that'll be a great week. What is the reason for Dave Chappelle suddenly hosting SNL is, is, does he have a project coming up or it's just like a, Oh, this would be cool. Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I don't know of any big project that he's got coming up. I'm trying to remember if he had something on uh, Netflix, a stand-up special or something that I don't remember. We'll have to look. But, uh, I, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle these days doesn't seem to do anything based on business. It's uh, sort of what uh, interests him and what amuses him. So we'll see. Should be a fun show next week, but uh, interesting show to talk about from last night. Cumberbatch hosting the show for the first time. Rich, I know you were pumped up. Did last night's show uh, uh, live up to your expectations? You know, if I had been a Cleveland Indians fan, I would have been excited to see them in the World Series. But I don't know that I would say by the end of the World Series, I would have that same level of enthusiasm I had started. Okay. So... You know, with every winner, there must be a loser. And I still love SNL. I still love the show. But, you know, if we look at our season, some episode has to be the worst. That's just math. I think we found our bottom. And from here, we will rebuild. Okay. Well, I enjoyed it for the most part that uh, let's uh, it'll be fun to talk through uh, what what was working and not, and not working. All right, so let's start off with, again, we go back to Hillary and Trump once again in the cold open for the fifth time this season. And now uh, here we are getting ready to uh, the almost the eve of the election. Tuesday is uh, the big election. And just one more sort of like a cable news setup. Erin uh, Burnett checking in with Hillary and Trump. 
Yeah, I thought this was fun. I mean, I think what we're seeing here, which I think we alluded to even on our last episode, is now that we're used to the Donald Trump impression, and again, four stars to you know Alec Baldwin at every at bat, yet... I think the Hillary Clinton was more fun. I think that, you know, Trump is so crazy just at, you know, always, uh, you know, that it's hard to sort of parody. But I loved the Hillary getting so frustrated when no matter what Trump was doing, kissing the FBI, kissing Putin, that it's like, well, that, we can't talk about that. We don't know what that means. Let's talk more about your emails. Her uh, continued growing aspiration, uh, uh, exasperation, I think for me was the absolute standout out of this cold open. Rich, would you say that uh, this was sort of to bring up a, uh, a classic SNL callback? Is this like shades of John Lovitz, uh, Michael Dukakis? I can't believe I'm losing to this guy. <laughs> yes, I absolutely think so. I absolutely think so. You know, it was a fun, you know, I think they sort of ran out of sort of where to go with it. Uh, you know, I, I liked that. I thought it was very fun to see the two of them sort of break character and run around, uh, you know, times square in a pre-tape piece i would put this in the classic category of more fun than funny um and i thought oh how much fun must it have been there to have been in times square when this was going on and playing along with all this and being part of it uh but i don't know that there was anything memorable out of the pre-tape segment okay uh was there anything else that you wanted to touch on from the Trump and Hillary segment in the studio? Well, the end I was going to I I was going to say something I don't know if you want to talk about the end when they got Well, the the one thing I would say it was interesting for me cuz I'm pretty like I always would rather see them go big and miss than not go big enough. I did think it was interesting when they when uh, Hillary is pleading for Mark Burnett to release a tape and as she says in the old way of wheel of fortune show is it give me an end. <laughs> yeah. And uh I was like, "Ooh, that is is, uh, I don't know why. I mean, there's nothing about that that should have bothered me between my own comedy tastes, political leanings, belief that that tape really does exist. Uh, and yet, uh, I don't know, maybe because the audience really kind of bristled at it. It was it was uh, interesting that it kind of took me by shock a little bit. Well, also, the Alec Baldwin Trump did the same move that he did in the Access Hollywood rebuttal sketch where uh, then he is the person that says, oh, yeah, like, a, oh, those tapes exist. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. like act like talks into the lapel microphone yeah. uh, again, uh, yeah. which is sort of a funny move that and yeah. the callback to that. Yeah, no, that was very funny. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Yeah, we get uh, so much mileage out of the Beck Bennett uh, Putin impression. Yeah, that's sort of becoming a stock character for him. Who who would have thought that? I thought, you know, it's a, a nice that, that he's sort of pulling that off these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was talking, uh, you know, before the show, uh, me, me and Mark were sort of texting Mark about Burnett. the episode. And uh, yes, I don't know if I've mentioned that earlier. Should I have disclosed <laughs> that, that him and I tweet every week with uh, to each other? Uh, you know, one of my, generally speaking, one of my least favorite uh, SNL go-to's is getting a laugh by seeing a male kiss another male that that's so crazy that you know the the joke is look at this two men kissing on tv um although here it did not bother me because i thought i mean i love that they just sort of made it nonchalant and then the joke here was not it's a man kissing a man it's that alec uh, that uh you know it's that trump is kissing someone and yet the story still needs to be about the email and her frustration so that was just really right funny. that aaron burnett is like i, I don't get 
get what you're going for here. What, why, what, why yeah. uh, this is not yeah. a big deal. That, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. We can't, we can't draw any conclusions from that. Yeah, exactly. Did you feel like that SNL got too schmaltzy rich, uh, with the, uh, last, uh, call to action for, you know, we can't tell you who to vote for, but go out and vote on Tuesday. Yeah, that was very unprecedented. I mean, that was kind of crazy. I mean, and again, I mean, not that, uh, you know, I disagree with them in any way. Um, it, the wording I thought was very surprising because they didn't say we're not going to tell you who to vote for. We're just going to encourage you to vote. They said we can't tell you who to vote for. So they're just being really, really obvious about their their political leanings on this one. Although, as many people would say, so it, it may not even be a political thing. It may just be keep the country from falling into four years of chaos. And, and you know, it, it may be beyond Democrat versus Republican in their opinion, which happens to be mine. But I was very surprised that even Lorne Michaels, who has for 42 years, uh, you know, you know, really been sort of emphatic about we are not political. We make fun of institutions. We make fun of power. Democrat, Republican, conservatives, liberals, we are not a political show. And this was clearly a political nod. So very sort of, uh, you know, genre breaking for SNL. It may have seemed like a little moment to the casual viewer, but it definitely was not a little moment for people who know SNL history. Yeah, I didn't like it, Rich. I thought that it was uh, too much. I think that everybody knows it's important to vote. And I don't think that anybody is going to vote that wasn't going to vote because SNL told them to. And I thought it seemed uh, too partisan. It, it seemed a little, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people will argue about whether or not that, you know, it can be seen as a nonpartisan thing. But I agree. It seemed a little too political. And, and I don't see that, uh, as you said, that uh, Alec Baldwin and Cecily Strong asking people to vote is actually going to make a difference. OK. All right. Uh, so then we go into Cumberbatch and uh, the monologue and uh he ends up singing a song which is sort of like a little bit of a take on the Shaft theme song. So uh, what do you think of the uh, Cumberbatch theme as a self-proclaimed Cumberbitch? Were you into it? I am a Cumberbitch, but I will say, you know, this goes to my Oh, man. Actors love to sing on the monologue. They love every actor and actress wants to show that they can sing. And this was no exception. Uh, You know, I I think this was fine. I I don't know that I found it particularly funny. I thought it was fine. I thought he was very game. I thought, you know, once again, Leslie, the minute Leslie Jones comes out, I could pause, you know, grab a sheet of paper and write out almost every, you know, what, what the general gist of every joke is going to be because it's just going to the leslie jones well for the hundredth time uh you know i I thought it was fine uh, but i didn't for me it was not memorable yeah i thought my favorite part was uh bald tilda swinton uh coming out yes i did like and i did like when he asked how she got there and she first starts explaining something about a portal from time or something and then she says no i took an uber pool i like i like comedically she didn't even take an uber she took an uber pool i thought that was very cute Yeah, I'd like to see her show up uh, more on SNL, but otherwise, um, yeah, not too much uh, here in the monologue. Uh, So we have a a commercial coming up after the monologue, uh, Shades of the Apple 1984 ad from uh, the Super Bowl from the 80s. And uh, we have the cool toilet, Rich. 
Yeah, I mean, this, uh, you know, this always made me think if we talk about the uh, the uh, Lauren Michaels line that uh, Bill Hader talked about when he was doing a Vincent Price impression, which was why now i don't understand this is a you know this is a commercial this was very much a a very shot for shot parody of the apple commercial that was 32 years ago iconic it is iconic but it's 32 years ago and it's not being used to parody something that is in itself of the moment you know an apple commercial about Donald Trump or about, you know, something in today's world about Snapchat or something I can understand. But to do a 32 year late parody about toilets is not uh, it's not like there was some big breaking news about toilets. Uh, So I thought that, you know, I thought it was fine i thought that benedict cumberbatch's commitment to it really helped and really sold it i thought their commitment to really sort of nailing the the actual commercial itself was was done well but i just felt sort of lost in the time warp of i don't know why i'm watching this right now (laughs) yeah i actually really did like this one i I thought that yeah it was a very very good job by cumberbatch to sell the cool toilet i thought that uh he really did pull it off i found myself saying Rich, why don't they make this cool toilet? I like that idea. I mean, you know, it just, you know, even for those of us using, uh, you know, using their devices on the toilet that, you know, having that right over the the porcelain top. That's I was like, you know what? This seems pretty functional. I kind of like that. They had little foot pads for for him. I thought that was good. Yeah, very nice. ergonomic. Um, do yeah. we know who might have written this sketch? Do you, do you have that information? No, I didn't see. I did look. I am going to guess that if I had to take a guess, I'm going to say it was Mikey Day based on his prominence in, in, in the video and a little bit of, of his style, I think, I'm imagining. I mean, as I said, it was well written for what it was. You know, the Apple nerded me, and I don't know how much we talk about this. I am an unabashed Apple fanboy. I watch the keynotes. I have a MacBook Air en route from China, or MacBook pro en route from china to me now for the new ones that they just released with the with the touch bar uh so when they started an apple thing i thought i wonder if they're going to make reference to something currently apple like it's a little bit inside baseball but uh but then to just see that it was a toilet i thought was 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 an odd one so uh okay you know i I, you know not unfunny not unpleasant to watch Uh, you know i like benedict coming back lighting a match with style and and panache i thought that was very nice uh so yeah it was all was all fun okay uh, let's talk about the game show parody, uh, America's newest game show. Why is Benedict Cumberbatch hot, Rich? Uh, so in terms of the reveal of, of this, uh, did you, could you see where this was going at all? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I had a hunch when Benedict Cumberbatch was up. I liked the way they rolled this out, especially when he, you know, uh, you know, he self-identifies as Beck Bennett. And then, you know, it's Vanessa Bayer playing herself and A.D. Bryant. So I like I always like these kind of breaking fourth wall kinds of sketches, sort of a peek between the, you know, the faux peek behind the scenes reminiscent of, uh, you know, the game show new SNL cast member or Arcade Fire. Uh, you know, a member of Arcade Fire, which was maybe a better version of this. Uh, so, yeah, I always like these things. I think it's fun to see. And I thought I thought everyone in it was very good. The the women were excellent. Beck Bennett was very funny. So uh, I would say it was a, a very light, uh, you know, it was a, a very, um, you know, uh, atmospheric. I don't know that there was a lot of density to the sketch, but 
but very fun. I thought they did a nice job. I thought uh, probably I would say this was probably my favorite sketch of the night. I think fair to say. Wow. Favorite of the night. Um, you know what? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know where else you would necessarily go. Uh, I, I, I with- will say the bar was kind of low, so uh, I'm not saying it because of high praise. It's almost by default. I would say this was probably as good as we got. Yeah. So uh, in terms of uh, the actual game, I, I did not like how uh, Beck Bennett had a card that said, the title of the show. Yeah. And while you were waiting to try to figure out what this was, you could so almost read what his card said. Yes, I did notice that. I, I did know what it was. I think between Vanessa or no, between AD and Benedict, I did actually read it. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought uh, Vanessa was outstanding in this scene. Like, I feel like that this is, again, like uh, in her wheelhouse of something she's uh, really good at. Yeah, because Vanessa is really I mean, a lot of people do well and it's not easy. I mean, not that I can do it just sort of playing at a level 10. What Vanessa does well is start in a very, you know, start at a one and just so seamlessly get from one to 10 over the course of a monologue without it feeling, you know, too forced and, and, and her sort of just losing it i thought was just really fun i thought she did a really great job yeah um next week uh are you ready for am i hotter than kyle mooney well i i was surprised that they didn't do next week am i hotter than dave Chappelle? i thought that would have been a nice little call out to sort of button the sketch with yeah uh that's what i thought that's where they were going when they started that rich but uh like uh, even a mention of kyle mooney i feel like that he's been uh almost mia this season yeah this was a tough episode for him he you know he got the the he got to kiss uh alec baldwin as a kkk member yeah, and then have a small role in a uh in a in a in a caper sketch uh but yeah you're right not a lot of time i mean you know i think we really saw with michael with uh mikey day and uh and alex moffat coming on the show that people like him uh, you know i'll say it here because i wasn't sure we we're going to say it this was a bobby free episode you know this is bobby's only appearance was on the, the stage at the end of the night to say good night which was just heartbreaking to me i mean any sketch you can pepper in bobby moynihan to get a laugh certainly any of the post update sketches where you kind of needed it there should have been one so uh a real bummer for me yeah, it's crazy because I would say that I know we're a long way away from your uh, season 42 superlatives, but uh, I think that on the male side, I mean, would you say that Mikey Day in a as a rookie has probably been the most valuable player on the male side? Oh, oh, without a doubt. I mean, he really went for and again, it's always a little different because he was a writer on the show for a few years, so he didn't come into the process cold. But yeah, I mean, he's getting, you know, for a featured player to be getting more screen time in some episodes and as much screen time as established, you know, other than maybe I would say Keenan is a little bit, you know, he's probably still the elder statesman of the show that's getting the most screen time. But other than that, Mikey Day, he's sort of he's sort of running the table right now. Good for him. I mean, he's really on a historic screen time pace as an SNL rookie. Yeah, I mean, and you, you know, you're seeing a lot of versatility out of him. It's interesting to see that much screen time 
for a cast member that is not doing an iconic impression or has not developed a very memorable character that people want to see over and over again. So as a utility player, you know, he's sort of getting the amount of screen time that a Phil Hartman would have gotten, uh, which we have not seen in a long time. Okay. The next sketch is the office hours sketch. Uh, Pete Davidson is a student who is uh, getting some extra help from uh, Professor Cumberbatch, uh, who tries to kiss him and then continues on uh, monologuing as Pete Davidson uh, repeatedly uh, gives uh, very short answers. Okay. 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 I mean, I feel like Pete Davidson completely summed up how I felt about this sketch. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, globe. Okay. Yeah. Taint. (laughs) Taint. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that, uh, you know, we saw, we saw this character in the Julie Louis Dreyfus episode, the pool boy uh, pre-tape piece, uh, you know, playing Chad. Uh, I think that was a little bit more interesting to me because in that one there, you know, sort of the big potential moment between the two characters was to come in this one. We start with it. We start with this almost kiss and then we just see, you know, the character that Benedict Cumberbatch playing, try to sort of wind it back and really revealing pieces of information about himself but it's not necessarily action so rich you just blew uh, my mind that this was a recurring character oh come on yeah this is okay 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 yeah so uh so i uh yeah i i thought this was uh i thought this was exactly that i i thought this was okay yeah, I, I did enjoy this. I, I thought that this was, uh, you know, not as funny as uh, the sketch from was it uh, the end of last season where uh, we had the uh, the Goodwill hunting type uh, parody where I, th- I thought that's where we were going with something like that. Uh, yes. But n- no. <laughs> yeah. And again, how could you have made this sketch better? Added some Bobby Moynihan. It's <laughs> not that hard. When in doubt, add Bobby to the mix. Come on, guys. Yeah. So I thought this was fun. I liked all of the monologuing from uh, Cumberbatch, but um, the Cartesian logic of, of it all. All right. So let's talk yeah. about the surprise party, Rich. And A.D. Bryant is the 82-year-old grandmother who is getting remarried. And uh, we are having some surprise strippers for her. Yeah, I call this sketch Weekend at Grandma's because <laughs> basically, uh, you know, we're we're just doing Weekend at Bernie's with uh, with a mostly female cast this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I thought this was Fine. I mean, I think the thing that I enjoyed about this, the two things I would say this, the two things that I really liked about this sketch is one that they did it, that this existed and that they were willing to go here. I know, uh, you know, I saw Mark about him and Stephanie watching the show. They they found it maybe in a little bit poor taste or just it wasn't for them, I guess I should say. I don't want to speak for him, but uh, but it did not. I, I liked that they went there and I liked watching A.D. Bryant, the Terry Kaiser, uh, uh, Bernie, uh, actor who played Bernie of this sketch, uh, really get knocked around by dong and still uh, not break. I believe the term is fun sandwich, Rich. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. She was the meat in a fun sandwich. So, uh, you know, even with her, even with them uh, spraying Cool Whip into her mouth and having it sucked out by uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, I thought uh, I thought she did a great job. Certainly all the women. I think everyone in the sketch uh, did a great job. It was just one of these 
almost sort of not gross out sketches, but sort of how far will we go? Because the comedy, once the strippers start, the comedy doesn't necessarily evolve. It doesn't even necessarily heighten. It just sort of it just lowers. It just continues to get sort of more outrageous. So. You know, I again, I liked it. I, I don't necessarily know what I would say I made of it. I would say I was on board and I was waiting for it to go somewhere rich. And I have to say that uh, to much to the, the dismay of many of our listeners, I thought that it really took a turn for the worse when the Chicago Cubs showed up. <laughs> because yeah, now like, wait, really, what? Yeah. That you were our 1,000th yes. lap dance, so now the Chicago Cubs are here? And, and the Chicago Cubs are giving lap dances to an 80-year-old woman? Why? Yeah, this was this was a strange. My suspicion is that there was a different end that didn't work. We already had the Cubs booked for weekend update and they just and they maybe even wanted to do more. And they sort of threw this out at them, Uh, you know, but but interesting that they threw it out as a way to sort of give a false ending to the sketch. And then, in fact, they still did not have an ending to the Mm -hmm. sketch. They still even at the end at the end, it was just them sort of gang banging. I don't even know what to say. It was just sort of like, what is going on here? I don't know. I don't know. And I thought that it hurt the uh, Chicago Cubs uh, weekend update bit. Uh, I feel like that that would, you know, we'll get to that when we, yeah, but I just just was waiting for, okay, uh, that you don't, if you have grandma die in the beginning of the sketch, don't you need to have the family members reveal grandma is dead by the end of the sketch? I would. Yes, I would think so. I definitely felt like, well, what do we? Yeah. What are we watching here? Where are we going? And it turned out we weren't going anywhere. So I felt like uh, it was a beginning in the middle, but uh, I have some issues with the ending here on the uh, grandma striptease. Right. Uh, So, Rich, instead of getting into Solange right now, why don't we go through the rest of the show and we'll uh, play what James had to say about Solange at the end of the show? Sure. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into weekend update. And our last weekend update before the big election, Rich. All right. Okay. So lots yeah. of stuff going on here. Any any uh, biting jokes uh, in your mind? Um, I did like when they were talking about the emails. I, you know, Michael Che, I feel like hasn't been connecting for me uh, it, it tonally. But I did like when he's talking about that. She should have just in hindsight turned over the emails. And he said, uh, given everything Donald Trump has said, and he said, like her deleting those emails was like giving up weed for a job interview and then losing out on that job to a crackhead. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I, I really like that. Uh, and I think the other joke that I particularly liked is when they talked about the New York City Marathon and they cut to a picture of Trump and Colin says this gives a, cha- a great chance to uh, give foreigners to uh, the chance to re- practice running for their lives. Yes, <laughs> I thought that was really good. Yes. So a couple of good jokes, a couple of good runs. Uh, again, I, I would say sort of nothing special. Uh, what about the joint piece between Colin and Michael talking about trying to pep everybody up before the election? Yeah, it, it was good. I mean, it, it, I don't think there were many bad jokes here. I don't know that there were any other jokes that I thought were were hilarious or super insightful, but it was generally good. OK, well, then, Rich, let's talk about Dana Carvey coming back to the up or I don't know if he's ever been to the update desk as the church lady. 
Uh, Dana yeah. Carvey had a, a lengthy interview with Howard Stern this week. Did you happen to listen to that, Rich? I did not get to hear it. I, 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 I and I was wondering how much SNL stuff was going to be in it. I was a bummed lot. I didn't get to hear it. A oh, lot. okay. Yeah, uh, definitely check that out. All right. So here's Church Lady. I'm very excited. Church Lady here to talk about the election. Uh, Church Lady starts off talking about, uh, you know, who who are you going to vote for? Has, you know, a good line about Trump and Hillary. And then that was kind of it about the election for the Church Lady. Yeah, I mean, the thing to remember is that as much as, you know, as as I loved the church lady back in the day, uh, you know, and I I probably burnt out on the church lady back in the day. We just saw the church lady last May. It was the cold open of the Brie Larson episode in May where he came back and did church lady. And and I am an unabashed Dana Carvey worshiper. It was not funny. It was not. I shouldn't say it wasn't funny. That's not fair. It was not that funny. It was not great. Uh, uh, and it, and I think I was I assumed that the takeaway to SNL was, oh, it's interesting that Church Lady worked so well in the 90s. And for reasons that we could always dissect as comedy nerds, it really doesn't seem to work in in the you know 2015s. So here here is, is is she back again. And I was disappointed from the minute I saw her. I love Dana Carvey. I want to see grumpy old man be a Trump supporter. That's what I mean. I like there's so much we can do with Dana Carvey. Church Lady. They rely too much on he's, oh, is he going to say, isn't that special? Isn't that special? And then when he does, it, well, who cares? It wasn't anything all that interesting. The Satan thing sort of didn't pay off for me. So he is still a great performer. He, I think he was here sort of promoting the fact that he has a new stand-up special on Netflix. I can't wait to watch it. I love Dana Carvey. I've seen him live do stand-up comedy back in the 90s. It was just great. But I don't think any of the jokes here were strong enough to overcome a character that kind of isn't really relevant anymore yeah i thought that it was funny when uh church lady first says uh accuses uh colin jost that he's gay and then it got a uh, probably a bigger laugh from the audience when Colin yeah. says to the audience why are you laughing at that yeah uh, but yeah. then i felt like the church lady was really spending a lot of time on on uh talking about uh gay gay stuff and uh you know takes a shot at west hollywood also it just yeah. seemed like Oh, okay. So here's the church lady to talk about the election. And, and we really didn't do that. And then the musical number I thought was so odd of it was church lady singing what a wonderful world with just like pictures and not even like jokes attached to the pictures. Yeah. The pictures didn't align with what he was saying in a specific way that you could see a payoff. I actually went back and thought, did I miss something? Because it didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, this uh, was a tough one for me. I still love Dana Carvey, but this this one, I, I don't think it worked. It just seemed like, OK, we had a good opportunity for, you know, there's so so much. I mean, maybe it, SNL just felt like they've traveled all that ground. But I felt like that there was a lot of stuff that the church lady could have gotten on Trump for Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton. I feel like that there was, uh, you know. Plenty of material there. I just don't know why they were sort of like meandering. Yeah, I yeah, this 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 that was it was not great. OK, so then uh, we got the winners of the SNL voice contest. Rich, what a confusing setup this was for the Chicago Cubs and Bill Murray to sing the uh, the uh, what the 
uh, what the Cubs theme song. I, I don't know what the name if of it is. If I had tried to put go a Cubs, Venn go. diagram of the premise of this sketch on the back white wall, it would look like me in a beautiful mind. It was so convoluted to get there. And then again, I think, you know, you know, J- Johnny talked about this on Twitter last night. This is my rule of cameos nobody cares that you're there because we already know that you're there. So now we have this thinly veiled excuse to bring out people we already know are in the building. There's no payoff. There's no surprise to this. This was completely undercut by the, by the, uh, by the, the grandma sketch. So we're just watching great baseball players taking a victory lap by singing out of tune. Uh, It was always fun to see Bill Murray because again, I worship Bill Murray, but I, and we know that he's a huge Cubs fan as we all, you know, saw many, many times this week. Uh, But I just, it felt like, what is this waste of time? It just felt like, I, I don't know why we're watching this. I mean, could we have just revealed Bill Murray and then had the Cubs come out with him as opposed to revealing the people we already saw and then Bill Murray? I, yeah, and, and I think you got to do so. I mean, you can have Bill Murray himself come out to just sing a Cubs song if you want. But if you're going to have the play, baseball players come out again, we have to give them something to do that has a comedic value. The song itself was not comedic value. I don't really know uh, you know, what it was. And, you know, and hey, if you just want to sort of do a victory lap for, you know, the Chicago, uh, you know, writers and cast members, uh, you know, that's fine. But the, the, this was so convoluted. Um, yeah. And congratulations once again to the Chicago Cubs. That yeah. are, everybody's yeah. happy. For, everybody's happy for the Cubs. Nobody's trying to take anything away from the Cubs and, and their great World Series victory. Yes. And I, I assume that the if you saw the the backup singer hate came mail out. from the Cubs fans. Oh, yeah, I have nothing against the Cubs. And I I had nothing against the Cubs being in the grandma sketch. It's a great pop culture, really fun. They're making fun of themselves, uh, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I, I did notice the, as I said, the the voice ca- uh, contest backup singers that came out were SNL staffers, I assume, from Chicago. Uh, all the way to the camera left was a uh, fantastic SNL writer, Katie Rich, who uh, got to, uh, you know, who is a Chicago native, so got to uh, come out and saying go Cubs go with with I was going to ask you who the hell were those people yeah I'm pretty sure they were all just SNL staffers who are huge Cubs fans I know Katie is is from Chicago uh, and and a big Cubs fan so I'm sure that was a big part of it okay Rich Uh, so let's go and talk about our post update sketch which uh, do we have a name for this one Rich Uh, I think on Hulu they called it Ricky and Gemma Ricky and Gemma okay no mention of Gene and his wife no Okay, Uh, here they are. Rich, is this the third time that we're getting this sketch? This is the third time we first, you know, this was this was a great Dwayne Johnson sketch uh, in 2015. And then we all sort of inexplicably saw it uh, reprised with Louis (laughs) C.K. last year, uh, you know, with uh, Cecily Strong playing Gemma in all three outings. And here we are doing it for the third time. uh, Very (laughs) inexplicably, this time with Ricky Diamonds, the rock and roll illusionist yeah so i love this sketch uh you know the for the first time and i think that if i recall our conversations i think i liked it a lot more than you did the second time 
But even the third time, I was excited to see this, but I did not feel like that this had the hilarity of the prior outings for this sketch. Yeah, I think that they were in a weird line of uh, if you've seen it already, you kind of know what's coming. But if you haven't seen it already, you don't quite understand. Like, there's there's no logic to it. It's just this bizarre thing. Uh, you know, again, Cecily Strong, I think, is always the highlight of this sketch uh, as Gemma. I like that, you know, she always has a song. You mm-hmm. know, the song was bizarre. But then, and I did like that we didn't completely Mad Libs. We didn't end with it, uh, them ordering a large amount of shrimp. <laughs> yeah, I missed it. I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for, uh, for Vanessa to have to once again eat a lot of shrimp cocktail uh you know so i like that they sort of had the uh had the the fortitude to say let's let's do something different but i will say uh i you know i don't think that the magic trick with the with the cards in the mouth and the gun i, I think that went on for uh, when uh, pretty too, too long for me i thought yeah, that was dark. a little hard it got dark yeah uh yeah, yeah. and so uh also it's always that you know uh keenan always ends up getting in trouble uh, yeah. with Vanessa also for uh, being too interested in what Gemma is doing. Yes, I did like her use of her British accent this time around, just to being a GPS voice, just went, recalculating, recalculating. <laughs> I thought that was very yeah. cute. I want to go back and watch the Dwayne Johnson uh, one of that again after uh, we get off today. Okay, uh, Rich, let's talk about the uh, evil supervillain uh, Cumberbatch here who has uh, basically is like the Riddler. And uh, I thought we were getting set up for the return of MacGruber. I started to get a little excited. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Is sometimes SNL, they should just call it at an hour. You know what? We're good. We're going to wrap it up and go home. This was uh, this was this was a tough one. Uh, this was tough for a lot of reasons. I mean, I liked the I liked the a premise that is in these classic convoluted bond or other thriller movie, you know, scenarios. Why does the bad guy have to be so complicated? Like, why does he need the riddle? So, okay, I'm on board for the premise, but we didn't really explore the premise of, well, okay, great. Let's find out why comedically let's, let's do this. Instead, we just sort of continued to watch him get flummoxed as he would come up with riddles and his prey would actually solve the riddles now one of the big problems for me is that half the time I couldn't understand what the riddles were because he was talking so fast with a specific tonality that I was like, what did he say? So then when Beck Bennett would say dozens, it was blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, okay. I I didn't understand what the riddle was so that it didn't have a big payoff until maybe the end where it was just a bunch of stuff that I've heard before. So um, I I liked the idea of this, but I felt like this needed a, a full, a full rebaking of sort of like, no, no, no. If you're going, to do it let's actually find out more about this guy and why he is compelled to come up with these riddles i thought it was also a distraction where kyle mooney was like suggesting other things or like bringing up other topics and tangents of conversation to sort of distract away from 
what was going on. So we sort of had this question about the riddles and why are we doing this? But then Kyle Mooney kept trying to change the subject. And I didn't know what the scene was ultimately supposed to be about. I agree. I mean, you know, the, you end up with two unusual things in a scene, which is always, you know, the, the, the cleanest is always there's one unusual thing that we can then follow as it heightens. And we try to understand the why behind the, the action. And this definitely made it more confusing. I'm like, are we supposed to think Kyle's weird or Benedict is weird? Because they were both weird, but weird in different ways. So it, uh, it it made it it made it tough. All right. Well, let's talk about the uh, tw- the twelve fifty five uh, sketch, the meeting with Mister Sharp. Uh, Rich, what was your take on the uh, the men from Mercy General coming to get some money from Mister Sharp? Shaw, I think Mister oh, Shaw. Shaw I, I apologize. Shaw. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. due Come respect on. to Mister Shaw. Well, it's funny. I, I, I had a little bonding because I, you know, no one in the sketch except Benedict could hear Mr. Shaw speaking. But from home, I could hear Mr. Shaw speaking. I heard the Raven saying, oh, boy, <laughs> oh, boy, oh, I believe it was an eagle, boy. Rich. An eagle. OK. All right. Well, I stand corrected. <laughs> now uh, we're even. But, <laughs> you know, here's what I'll say. I mean, woof. <laughs> I'd rather they take this swing at 1250 at night than just phone in some lazy or not. Nothing's lazy, but phone in some predictable rehash of a sketch we've seen eight times and good for Benedict. I don't think this went over particularly well in the, in the audience, the studio audience and Benedict, he just kept doubling down and he sort of delivered at a 10 all the way through to the end. Um, Ooh, uh, I thought uh, this this was this was tough, man. This was tough. You know what? I I was enjoying this, Rich. I thought it was fun. I liked that there were uh, some good jokes in there. I liked when they uh, went to all of the pictures on the desk. Uh, and, uh, we got to, uh, Nelson Mandela and Howie Mandela. <laughs> yeah. That was cute. <laughs> Salmon yeah. Rushdie, uh, the one yeah. salmon, uh, he couldn't get, I mean, I thought what was, uh, fun about it, I guess, cause it was so absurd was that just like, uh, playing along with the idea of that he was this, uh, big, uh, you know, executive or whatever, but also was actually an Eagle where, uh, you know, they talked about how it's very odd for him to talk about money, you know, cause he's on it. Yeah. There was, a, uh, I thought it was like, okay, I was interested enough to like, where is this going? Yeah. I think for me with this mist and, uh, you know, on Twitter, uh, Mark C tweet tweeted out a great article from Vulture about why the David F pumpkin sketch was just so well done. And one of the things they talked about, and we talk about it here a lot is how important the straight man is in a sketch and how important the, uh, the writing of the normal one is. And I think if you had this sketch, but you had amped up Keenan and back to the level of straight manning the way that they had straight manned the David pumpkin sketch, instead of just saying, is this a joke? If they really hunkered down on like, so wait, do you think the Eagle, like, do you think the Eagle's talking to you? Like really hang hunkered down on. So is it a guy with an Eagle head or is it an Eagle with a man body and really, really hit the straight man? Like, 
50% more or even more. I think this could have been a really fun sketch, but I think because they were both just incredulous looking, it didn't really give us the great reactions that I, I think would have made us all go, okay, we are truly with Beck and, and Keenan in the room, you know, their characters in the room with them. Then I could have had a lot more fun with us. That's interesting in the writing of that, because that in the premise for this, it was that uh, the two men coming to get the money, it was almost like that this was a tough meeting to get. So there was like they had yeah. a lot to lose by acting incredulous, whereas had they just been sort of like collecting door to door, maybe then you could have had it where they, there there was no stakes for them that they, you know, that this was just like easy come, easy go. But because this was like such a um, a, a big uh, meeting for them, then they didn't want to do anything to blow it. Could be. Yeah, could be. I mean, I would and I would even say, I think even with the stakes being high to again, just play this more real, even if this is the most important meeting you're taking, you're talking to a mannequin with a with an eagle's head, <laughs> play that reality 50 percent more. Yeah. And knowing that you still have to convince the lunatic assistant to somehow like they didn't even really sort of delve into. So who's actually like, you know, we don't actually think this is a real person. So what is going on here? We, we, I think, I just think we missed a lot of opportunity to have more fun with that. Now that said, if I had a medical marijuana card, which I do not have, I might've thought this was the funniest sketch of the night. And maybe that's what I'm missing. All right. Well, Rich, uh, maybe after Tuesday's uh, proposition 64, maybe you might, maybe you, You we won't even need cards. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll see if 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 Rich is loving every sketch uh, by next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go into <laughs> uh, checking in with what James Keats had to say about Solange. Did you know that Solange is actually related to Beyonce, Rich? What? Yes. That Get the- uh, a lot of people don't know this, that Solange is actually uh, Beyonce, uh, Beyonce's uh, sister, Beyonce Knowles. Yeah. Did you see the uh, there was a lot of uh, coverage that Beyonce and Jay-Z were there in Studio 8H for Solange's performance? They took a couple of uh, photos for their Facebook. I don't know what. Uh, and then they were all at the after party. Leslie Jones was posting photos of her with Beyonce and Jay-Z. So uh, Solange was supported by by the family. That's nice. That's nice. All right. Yeah. Here's what James Keyes had to say about the musical works of Solange. Thanks, Robin Rich. Reporting in on Solange Knowles gracing the Saturday Night Live stage for the first time. Uh, She, of course, has a new record uh, just out about a month ago called A Seat at the Table. Uh, One of the best albums of the year in many critics' opinion, including mine. Wow. And uh, so she performed two two songs off the new record, uh, starting with Cranes in the Sky. uh, A real Sade, Diana Ross, uh, early 70s kind of vibe. Uh, even a little uh, space jazz via Sun Ra or Alice Coltrane in terms of the visuals. I thought the set design was really beautiful. Uh, the band all in white were very sleek and, and it was a very smooth, compelling performance of, uh, of her sort of pop jazz hit, a minor hit uh, off of her new record. Uh, and uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was just terrific. Uh, came back for the second song with uh, Don't Touch My Hair which has um, been lauded as a kind of an empowerment anthem from Solange and 
and uh, a really interesting uh, cornerstone of her new record, which uh, is dealing with a lot of themes of identity and, uh, and Black Lives Matter, very much a kind of sister album to her sister, Beyonce uh, and Lemonade. So uh, if you're a fan of Lemonade, uh, you might want to check out A Seat at the Table, very sort of a, a quieter vibe, but uh, very similar uh, thematically and uh, and it's Solange's best work by far so if you haven't checked her out as an artist before um, then uh, give this album a try uh, as I said the second song Don't Touch My Hair um, I, again uh, a similar vibe very uh, kind of smooth jazz uh, soul um, Sampha the, uh, who's a rising British uh, songer, sing, singer songwriter and producer uh, came out to uh, to sing with her as well. Uh, that's who that guy was, and um, and of course Beyonce was backstage with her mom and posted an Instagram photo of the two of them lifting Solange up in celebration, which uh, they posted they had been doing since she was ten. So uh, very successful night from Solange, and uh, looking forward to uh, a reunited tribe called Quest uh, coming up. Uh, I guess next week or in a couple of weeks. I can't remember. I think it's uh, I think it's next, next week, week, so James. I will talk to you then. Sorry, I can't make it live this week. Uh, go Raptors! Go Thanks. Raptors! James is too busy watching uh, basketball. Rich, uh, you know, James had mentioned uh, that this was potentially the album of the year, so I, I did my homework. I listened on Apple Music, uh, you know, during the week, uh, and I, you know, th- this is so far out of my wheelhouse. I, 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 it was not for me, but which is in by no means a dig at all. I just, it, it's just not for me. I'm not the target audience, and I respect that. Uh, so, uh, watching, watching Solange, I'm so excited to hear that fans liked it. Um, at one point, I did, uh, we did mute it uh, to sort of comment on it. Watching her performance muted uh, for me uh, felt like a cross between someone making fun of a Beyonce performance and the SNL sketch Woodbridge High School Student Theater Showcase. Uh, at one point, I think it looked like she was just doing yoga and in, instead of singing in the middle of the second song. So uh, I, I will say uh, it was firmly not for me, uh, but I, I'm glad that those who like it like it. Rich, this is crazy. I like Solange more than Beyonce. Wow. Yeah. Don't let Beyonce know that. You're in trouble. <laughs> She'll shut it right down. All yeah. right. Uh, let's get into the questions uh, from our listeners about this week's SNL. Uh, Scott St. Pierre has curated a number of questions from you guys. Mike Bloom also. How much do you think that the church lady segment on update was improvised? Rich, I can't imagine it was very improvised considering that we had a musical number and we had uh, pictures up during the musical number. Even if the pictures didn't match what the church lady was singing about, I don't think it could have been very improvised. Yeah, I, I think I think probably not much at all. I think that the you know, the isn't it special was a cut to specific camera. The anytime she says, isn't it Satan? They have to ramp up the uh, echo effect, uh, you know, so I think that this was probably, uh, you know, a probably sort of planned. I, I, and I don't think church lady is traditionally that improvised. So I would say probably not. No, I not don't think much. so. OK. Uh, Stephanie wants to know what other segments could they have done regarding the Cubs? I would love to have seen a Steve Bartman segment. So do you have any ideas, Rich, for other, 
for other Cubs sketches. You know, you are asking the wrong guy about other Cubs sketches. That seemed that seems like a long shot. I, you know, I will say it was it was weird that there wasn't even I don't think there was a single joke about the Cubs winning the series in Weekend Update. So it was a weird you had the Chris Christie big story, which was a very big story, admittedly late in the week. And you had Bobby Moynihan. We didn't see him at the update desk. We didn't have any Cubs jokes. Uh, it, it was weird for me. It was a, a weird sort of play out of, of what they covered and didn't cover. Yeah. And then, you know, there's been so much talk about people that like had like uh, like old like older people that got to see the Cubs win the World Series. So it's, it's just weird again that yeah. we have this older woman dying in a sketch with the Cubs. Uh, it was a little, little bit. It was just uh, so off putting when have the Cubs yeah. in uh, the sketch with the dead woman. All right. Yeah. Uh, Luke wants to know. I haven't seen the episode yet. Uh, was BC the problem as the host? Would, would, what do you lay? The issues with this episode at the feet of Cumberbatch, Rich? This is always so hard to say because as a performer, definitely not. I thought he did a very good job. I thought he was very willing to make fun of himself. He was very willing to be silly, but he didn't seem to need to be silly. He was willing to really sort of rein it back. I thought the office hours uh, pre-tape piece, which I did not think was particularly funny. I still think he did an excellent job. So I thought that was really funny. Um, So uh, I don't think so. Although you never know as far as sketch selection how much the host really affects uh you know i think the hosts do affect sketch selection but you do always wonder when a when a night is particularly rough was it in any way a factor of what the host wanted to do what the host was pushing for what the host didn't like uh that's one of those we'll just never know yeah I don't think that there's any issue with Cumberbatch's house. I think he would be a fine person to come back. I, he seemed yeah. like he was very much in the spirit of doing yes. whatever was asked of him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he seemed like he was a, a real team player. Okay. Um, let's go to Adam, who says, if the Indians won the World Series, would Drew Carey have been on Weekend Update with three Cleveland players singing Cleveland Rocks. No, right? Uh, I don't think most of uh, the audience would know who Drew Carey is. Uh, and I would have been very upset to hear Cleveland Rocks because I was very upset when Cleveland Rocks became the Drew Carey theme song replacing Moon Over Parma, which was my favorite little ditty in the first few seasons of the Drew Carey show. Wow, Rich, I didn't know you were such a Drew Carey completist. Drew, the Drew Carey show, the first five or six seasons was a very, very funny show. Okay. Uh, this is from Ike Moore, uh, who wants to know, how do you think that Lauren was able to get Dave next week? Do you think that we'll have another Black Jeopardy sketch so soon after Hanks? Well, I would say su- I would suspect a no on uh, Black Jeopardy because I feel like that the tr- traditionally I feel like that the third person that third slot is somebody unusual where uh, it's not just you know, that you wouldn't uh, slot slot in typically um, somebody that you it's it's more of casting somebody against type for that third right. part. I mean, Drake was the only time we've had an African-American as the third. Uh, you know, you it's almost it's always been a white person as the third guest on Black Jeopardy. Um, and I don't know that Dave Chappelle would wanted. I think Dave Chappelle would do that sketch if it had not recently been done. I think Dave is probably not going to want to do sort of, you know, the predictable thing. So I think we'll see a lot of stuff mixed up. OK, 
And then last question uh, from Mike Bloom. In the effort to make you guys hyperbolic, was this the worst episode of the past couple of years not hosted by Donald Trump? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think it was the weakest episode of the year. I will say the fact that this was the weakest episode of the year is a good sign for how the year is going. Yeah, Um, I think there were five worst episodes in this last season. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, two words, Russell Crowe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, that this one might not have worked for everybody, but I, I don't think that this was a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. You know, we've had higher highs this season, but no, I think that uh, Mike Bloom being very hyperbolic. Yeah, I probably am closer. I to me, it was pretty definitively the weakest of the season for me. Um, but yes, I'd say hyperbolic to say that one of the worst in in a period of time. It certainly there were a lot of things to, to like about it. Would you say this was a very bad episode of SNL? No, I wouldn't say it was very bad. I would say I would say overall for me uh, at 1 a.m., Jen and I turned off the TV, not triumphantly, but like, yeah, OK, that happened. Subpar. Uh, yeah. I was like, yeah. OK. I mean, it's you know, it's you know, you know, there have been a number of episodes. the Tom Hanks, you know, we're turning off the TV just full of energy full like more awake than we were 90 minutes earlier. This was not the case. OK. Yeah. I thought this was an average episode of the show. Uh, definitely some high points. But obviously, uh, Mike Bloom was very sour about the whole thing. And, you know, and if you had said to me, you're going to have the the star of one of your favorite, you know, shows, Sherlock, with, uh, you know, with Dana. Carvey and uh, and uh, uh, and Bill Murray show up as well as cameos from the team that just won the World Series. My expectations would have been a hundred times higher than than what this was. So uh, I, I I understand where Mike is coming from. All right. Well, fun stuff. Next Sunday we'll be back to talk about Dave Chappelle and a tribe called Quest. Uh, James Keista should be back with us for that show. So uh, very much looking forward to getting back together. And then, Rich, uh, how many weeks off do you suspect following that episode? Do you think that we're, are we off through Thanksgiving on the SNL podcast? No, my suspicion is that we would be back for one more on week. the 19th. Let me look at the. Yeah, I think we will be back. The 19th will be the Thanksgiving episode, and then we will be off for Thanksgiving. Because I just feel like that uh, maybe heading into the spring, I think we have a lot of shows in the can. I think since SNL has come back, they've only taken one week off. Correct. Correct. We did an unprecedented four episodes in a row. I think we'll now do three episodes in a row. One thing I think we could see is I could very likely see a two week break for Thanksgiving, not a one week break. They they have done that. That would not be unprecedented. And I think depending also depending on how the election goes, I think, to be honest, if Trump wins, I think it's a one week break because there's just going to be so much going on. If if Hillary wins, uh, it'll I think there's a good chance we'll do a two week break so everyone can kind of regroup and come back for the Christmas. Uh, Let me just ask you, you know, as the polls have tightened here over the last couple of weeks, we sort of jokingly were talking about uh, when it seemed more like uh, an upset if Trump were to win. What do you think happens with Alec Baldwin if Trump should become the president on Tuesday? 
you know, I, I think pending any other production stuff, if he may have already booked himself into a movie or TV show, I think that he becomes the Trump. I think he becomes the, uh, you know, the, per, the 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 Trump character for the season. I don't think you would see him in every cold open. I think that even if they wanted to logistically, you'd have to dial it back. And on weeks that there were uh, bigger news stories, uh, you might go weeks without seeing him as Donald Trump. But I think I think he he would just play it out for the year. Would he go into next year? Probably not. I think you're definitely going to see him as Donald Trump through till Chris, the end of the Christmas break. Um, and then after that, we'll see. But if he were to win, I think you'd see him for, for the, you know, in the, in the second half of the season. And then it's something that we have to figure out over the summer break to uh, figure out uh, what goes on with the Trump impression. At that point, yeah, at that point, if, I think if it, SNL's it, it, allowed to stay on the air. That's true. That depends on, uh, yeah, if, they, if there's <laughs> the a special commission pointed. At that yeah. point, I think you go to a uh, Anthony Armanac. I, I know I'm messing up his name. Uh, a great comedian uh, who does a fantastic Trump impression. At that point, if you if you know you have three and three quarters years of uh, of President Trump, I think you just go out and, and get a featured player who's known for their Trump impression. Okay. All right. So uh, we will see. We will uh, know so much more one week or uh, hopefully will uh yeah. one week from today we might we might be uh standing here in gridlock rich don't even don't even joke no i can't <laughs> i can't i can't even process that all right but what a weekend update we would have to talk about next week all right rich uh so uh thanks so much to scott st pierre getting everything set up for our live show here with you guys on our youtube channel also uh editing the podcast all things behind the scenes thanks so much uh scott st pierre uh follow rich on twitter he is at rich tech i am at rob Cesarino. Uh, everybody, make sure you go vote this week. I, we can't tell you from this podcast who to vote for. We can only ask that you vote. <laughs> yes. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Uh, take care. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say in the comments. Take care. Bye.